Welcome to Under the Blanket with your host, Baba here, love. And once again, we are under Miraji's blanket in his heart, seeing it is all one. And, you know, I have this uh, good guest host with me that's been a regular in the show, brand newer, Brandon, who has his own podcast and who has all kinds of things, content and creator. And, you know, he uh, does all kinds of things, you know, so he'll talk about that later. But anyway, my guest host and I are going to talk about being grounded. And I'll start us off, you know, you could be uh, conversing with God or you know, going out of your body or going into deep levels of samadhi. You could be talking with extraterrestrials or going on their ship. You could be meeting angels on the astral plane. And that's all fine and good. But as Ramdas says, remember your zip code. What about the livelihood? What about your bills? What about how you clean the house? Things like that. So let's talk about grounding and being gr- grounded. Take it away, brand new. <laughs> What's good, y'all? It's your boy. Brandon, brand new Stevens, host of the Snooze Button Wake Up Show weekly podcast. If you haven't checked out an episode yet, I super, super suggest that you head on over to either um, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are streamed. Type in the Snooze Button Wake Up Show. It's a lot of fun. So, Eric, I live... Thank you so much for having me back on your show. I love it. We have a great rapport. Um, my neighbor is a very, very wise woman. And the things that you opened up with, you talked about angels and, you know, ETs and being on their ships. And, like, she could totally rock out with you. And she could talk about that stuff with us and totally be in sync. But she's also super duper duper grounded and very much into, like, she could have a conversation with anybody. She's not so far in the astral plane that when you talk to her, it's like you're talking to a stark raving lunatic. She can talk to you about the weather and make small talk, and she's aware of social cues. But, like, you know, she has a job, but she also has a yoga practice, and it's a very nice balance. And I talk to her about this stuff sometimes, and she said to me, first enlightenment, then the laundry. And that always rang true. That stuck with me. Like, you can go to the mountaintops. You can go to the spaceships. Like, you can go to the multidimensional, intergalactic, interplanetary, you know, realm of existence. But, like, you still have to do your laundry and put it away and brush your teeth and, like, pay the bills, like you said. And finding that balance, finding that delicate tango between too far out there and, like... You know, it's a sweet spot. It's a sweet spot. Yeah, and I want to address uh, one of my own personal issues with this. Uh, it's house cleaning. Now, I um, had an aversion for uh, a many, many years, even though I was getting spiritual, meditating, and all that. I, I had an aversion to keeping it clean consistently, and it would get really messy. I, of course, would clean. You know, but and, uh, you know, I live with my lady for a while and we clean together and all that. But we did have many arguments about cleaning that I wasn't doing enough or that she wasn't doing enough or that blah, blah, blah sort of stuff. Mm. You know, and it's interesting that I realized even when that was occurring that I had an aversion to it. But, you know, I would also see the beauty, you know, because I'd be blissed out. I'd be feeling very one and I look at the ground. It's all got, you know dust and trash and blah 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 and i'd be like look how beautiful it is at least 
it's like beautiful. It's God is in that, you know? And that was sort of like a little bit of a non-balance, you know, because even though I would clean, I was unbalanced in that area recently. And I live alone now, even though I'm still with Elise, uh, I do live alone. I've been much better at cleaning, you know, and, uh, it's just been great. I just, I enjoy it more. I still like have to like talk myself into it, but I do do it regularly. And when I do it, I end up like putting on some music and I always try to be here now with it, be present with it. And imagine that I'm just giving it up to my beloved Krishna, which is another uh, manifestation of the oneness, you know, or I think of the divine mother. I think of my guru, you know, or I think of uh, a goddess, you know, all these manifestations of the one, and I do all this, but then I remember to give it up to that higher self that I have, you know, and it is interesting that after it's all done, I look around, you know, and I see that and it affects my mind. And I feel like this really amazing high looking around my room and looking in my uh, living room and looking in the kitchen and just being like, wow, this is this is nice to keep doing this regularly, you know, and I get I have to sit down because I get such a rush of ecstasy when that happens. You know, and I, it, this is th- something that took years. I've been meditating, doing all this since 2001, and this has been an issue with me. You know, it really has. Wow. Now, do you feel like a clean physical space uh, equals a less cluttered mental space for you? No. Uh, it, 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 in the past, I was attached to, I felt more comfortable with the mess. I'd feel it would help. I like the mess. It's like those um, uh, yogis in India that will sit in trash dumps and meditate and they uh, watch the burning bodies and they eat like the flesh of the dead. You know, I was kind of getting into that vibe. But, you know, that was a phase in my spiritual journey. Now I find if I clean regularly, it affects my mind like that. So I was attached, I realized, to the mess. I was attached to the mess. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And you know about attachments, that's what it's all about, man. If you're attached to anything, even attached to the truth, attached to the oneness, attached to the guru, that is still attachment. And there's a a line in the Bible or a story in the Bible where a man goes into this wedding, you know, and he got into the wedding and then they say, well, what do you do? What are you doing here without the wedding garment? And then it gets kicked out, and there's gnashing of teeth, and it's blah, blah, blah. And, there, and then it has this line, many are called, but few are chosen. And to me, I interpret that as you could have that spiritual high. You could go in and experience oneness. It, no separation, everything. You know, your ego's dead, all that. But you don't have the wedding garment, and that's fully have given up every attachment. The wedding garment is giving up attachment, you know? And if you don't have that, eventually you're going to go into a forgetful state. You will come down, so to speak, and you'll be back in your ordinary consciousness, you know? Mm. So that applies to the grounding too, keeping that in mind, being aware, self-honest with what attachments you have. Wow. Yeah. Grounding takes all of the labels that you have on yourself away. Like we talked about the garden of Eden and creation last time I was with you. And we talked about how Adam and Eve were walking with God in the garden. There was no separation between them. That, um, and I've come to see that as just being fully present 
in the moment with no thought of past and no idea of future, just fully immersed in whatever they were doing in that moment. And, you know, the verb to be, when you conjugate it into first person singular, it's I am. It's just pure conscious existence. There's no anything attached to it. It's it's just a pure state of existence, right? And then in the garden, when the serpent comes in and convinces them that they are not, the serpent comes up and says, now, if you eat this fruit from this one tree, then you will be. You're not right now. You are not. And they believe the lie that they were not. And they felt lack. And they thought that if they did something extra, then they would be. But they already were. So... Our chase still continues. We attach ourselves to our job. You know, I am successful. I am a father. I am a son. And when any of those labels or attachments are threatened, you know, there's a pandemic and we're quarantined and now we're no longer an award-winning blah, 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 or the best businessman in all of the Southeast, blah, blah, blah. Then we're, we're shattered because if... We put any faith into what comes after the I am, any of that can be manipulated. But what remains and what we need to stay grounded to is what precedes any labels that we have. And that is the return to the I am. And we're all going through that right now. We're, we're going through this quarantine and people are having their own return to the I am. You know, what does your grounded practice look like for you? Like for me, I go for a walk every day. I do yoga a couple times a week. I drink water. Like I have a certain thing and people are tapping back into what's grounding them. And what I find is that it's art, it's creativity, it's the, the solitude in nature. It's the, the, the introspection that we don't give ourselves the chance to do in a normal Hustle and bustle, capitalist, nine to five, 40 hour work week, week, two parents have to work just to make it society. This quarantine is allowing us to return back to groundedness, return to the I am and to drop the labels of what we thought we were. Yeah. You know, like I got to admit the Garden of Eden story. When I first heard it, it, it seemed very hokey to me. I didn't get the symbolic because I was told in this church I went to when I was a kid. That uh, you can't ask questions. I remember saying, well, how'd they get all the animals on Noah's Ark and they got along? I had all these questions about that. Questions about the Garden of Eden. Like, why does the snake talk like that? And how they know exactly what happened back there. All that kind of stuff. They'd always say, well, you don't ask questions. You just have faith. Anyway. <laughs> so I, that, and that turned me off. But anyway, I got, ended up getting spiritual. And I re-looked at the Garden of Eden story. And I remember... You know, uh, reading this book, Autobiography of a Yogi, an incredible spiritual book. I remember it. I recommend it to everyone. And it has this part where his guru interprets the Garden of Eden story in an incredible way about it's symbolic of certain energies and yada, yada, yada. And, um, you know, they uh, going up from the sex chakra to the heart chakra. And anyway, I thought that was cool. But something really didn't gel with me. I was like, you know, he interprets it in an amazing way. But, I, you know, I don't quite – it's still – I wasn't quite convinced that it was a, a really amazing thing. But then 
uh, Ram Dass talked about the Garden of Eden, and he said it's like, like he described it like you. We have the state of we are all in the I am, and then we eat the apple, and that's the ego coming in. And that's when we are, go into separation. So he mm. described it like you, and that that's the way I w- am into it. But the way you describe it with the present moment, the I am, and that the snake said, you are not that now, you know, you could become that by eating the apple. That's like the ego delusion. That's that's like, you know, they made the choice to go into separation. Like Ram Dass describes it as a choice. It's all one. It's all innocent, you know, but we can't make a choice to go into the separation. And that's the eating of the apple. So the way he interpreted it and the way you interpreted it, you know, was uh, I really think it's amazing. And I, I, I have to admit, I think you do the best interpretation of the Garden of Eden ever. And I think you should write a book analyzing the Bible because I, I would buy it. You know, a lot of people probably would. If it was able to get out there, a lot of people would be turned on by your particular way of interpreting it. Wow. I really appreciate you saying that, man. And I'm actually working. I'm, I'm extrapolating these ideas that you and I have been talking about. And this podcast with you has actually been super helpful. You know, the conversations we have, I'm, I'm able to flesh out some of these ideas. And I actually have some writing done on this topic for a book that I'm working on. And I have mentioned my Patreon page before on your podcast. I'm thinking about for people that have memberships on my Patreon page, like releasing some of this material. I'm thinking about putting up like a chapter, Uh, you know, like return. I'm calling it return to the garden so far. That's like the, you know, patent pending copyright title. But like, I don't know if that's actually what it's it's either. So I got a couple ideas here. I mean, ah, I don't want to say them on the air. They're good. Yeah, man. I'd say, you know, do a slow, like there is authors that do that slow reveal, you know, to certain people, you know, so yeah. I think that's an idea to work with. But, you know, it's like this gets me to the subject of grounding and money, you know, mm. and it's like money and being grounded in spirituality. Like you don't want to be so spiritual that it affects uh, how you survive in the world, but you don't want to be so caught up in the money game that you forget about being present, you know? Mm hmm. Yep. Oh my gosh. Money. (laughs) Money is one of the things I think that can take you out of the present moment super quick. Um, you can, I almost got stung by a wasp just now. I had to bob and weave on him real quick. Um, you got stung? No, no, almost. I dipped on him. He just came to see what was happening. And, uh, you know, I let him know I didn't want no sauce. He didn't want any smoke and we made our peace and he went on his way. All right. All right. Yeah, I did have to spray up some of his family, though. I do have to say they I came outside of my sliding glass door this morning and I saw two of them flying around my house and I investigated where they were going in and out of. And there was a nest indeed. Now I have little kids. Dude, Law of the jungle. You do what you got to do. You you know, you don't have to like let ants eat your legs and eat your arms to be spiritual. The law. It's not like you're trying to hurt the wasps. It's the law of the jungle, your survival chakra, you know? So this is it, man. This is ground. This is the groundedness because my spirituality 
did not, I didn't want to hurt anything. Like, I'm like, that's a piece of me and all is one. And if I kill this thing and but I went down that road for a minute and I went inside yeah. and I talked to my wife and my son about it. And they were like, nah, that, he can't live, son. I was like, word. I went out to the garage. I clipped up and I got this spray. You hit him from 30 feet away and I blasted. But I talked to the two wasps that were near it and I, I didn't want to hurt them. I saw that they were just kind of like flying around. And then when they flew away, I sprayed the nest which I think may have been an old nest. I don't know. But anyway, um, the like the grounded father living in the 3D world that doesn't want my kids to get stung by wasps was like, you know what? These wasps can't live. I have and, to agree 100% because uh, me and Elise had an issue with a mouse. You know, we had a mouse in the house. And at times I would be insistent we let the mouse do whatever it wants. And at times she would be insistent we let. And we sort of had this dichotomy where we somewhat we were being in that 3d like get the mouse out of our house level and then we were getting in no we got to get the mouse get a trap or something you know mm. finally i realized the balance of that you know it's interesting uh because um the mouse at one point uh we were at least was so obsessed with it she talked about it for two days and she was just obsessing about how the mouse and she wants to make a connection and she's going to talk it out of being in our house Eventually, the mouse came up to her and got completely still, and we saw it was it was just perfectly dying. It was a yogi mouse. It sat there completely still and surrendered to her, to her as the goddess or something, and it sat there, and it was dying, you know, uh, and it purposely killed itself as a sacrifice to her. And she put wow. it in a little place, you know, we, you know that it could, it could, you know, have its last breaths. The next day we checked on it and it indeed passed on. It died for her. It was like Jesus on the cross. It was beautiful. And anyway, uh, that comes to the point that it's the law of the jungle. You know, I, I put out little pellets of poison and no must come to my house. They get the lesson. But, you know, I give them a chance. I talk to them. I meditate and tell them, you know, I'm going to put out the poison if you keep scurrying around. You know, yeah. it's unsanitary. The health inspector, all that kind of issues, you know. Right. Exactly. And that's the groundedness. You know, the, the spirituality is all life matters, you know, and then the, the real world groundedness is like, I'm not trying to have my daughter get stung a bunch of times. So, you know, my bad, but I, thank you for your understanding. And that's the point I've gotten to last time we talked, you had said something about the going down the trip with like, uh, do you eat meat? Should you not eat meat? Like all this stuff. And that's where, that's the point I've gotten to it because I've been vegan I've been crunchy, hippie, spiritual, vegan, don't eat honey because bees make it like extreme for like a year. And then I was vegetarian and I jumped through all these mental hoops, all these different ways. And I finally got to the point where I do know that all is one and that I have lived, you know, infinite lifetimes, some of which are my steak. Like I've been my own cow. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, you're getting okay. it. And you know, you got to realize where your head's at. Ram Dass went through a period where he was a strict vegetarian, yoga vegetarian, which is similar to veganism. And he was doing that for years and years, and it was great. But he still had somewhere in his consciousness this attachment to, you know, the Thanksgiving turkey and the hamburger. And all that. So he's like, I'm denying that. I got to get back, and I'm just going to do it. So he started eating meat occasionally. And, you know, people would say he's not spiritual anymore or whatever, but that's bullshit. Because, you know, we could be aware that we're not our ego. And be one, but still have an ego that has attachments 
that has this, that, and the other thing, that has addictions to certain foods, that wants to be with their family and eat what their family's eating. You got to realize where you are in the journey because you could yeah. get caught. You could be a super vegan, right? And that's beautiful. You're helping the earth. You're eating right. But you could be a self-righteous prick, you know, <laughs> and then you're not being spiritual. You're being an ego a big time and be like looking down at people. What is, how can a vegan look down on a meat eater? We're all one. So the vegan is the meat eater and the meat and the plants. And you know what? Plants suffer too. When that, you mow right. the lawn, the grass screams, face it. But does that mean we still don't mow the lawn? No, we yeah. got to mow the lawn. But you got to realize everything is alive. Everything has that consciousness. Yeah, that that's what I love so much about recognizing like things have just gotten real simple for me. I've broken it all down that like all is one. It's all the same substance. It's all broken down to just be units of light units of consciousness, units of God, unit like whatever you want to call it, it's all the same shit. And whether it's in a cow or a piece of grass or a light beam or a light ship, it's all the same exact stuff. And you get to experience all of it as a localized point of consciousness. Like like you said, you know, you talk to the trees. Oh, no, that was a video I watched earlier. But you and I were talking about how you commune with Bertha, the tree in the park. Like, each Yeah, I hugged her today. She's she's doing great. I've, since I've been doing this, I'm really, like, have this romantic, emotional sort of love to her. Like, I think about her. I look forward to seeing her. You know, I'm not getting caught up in it. But it's just beautiful to work with that energy, you know? Well, you know what? I've been thinking about her since you mentioned it. So you tell... She's you tell hot, her man. She is hot. Tell that bitch I said what's good. I'm at the point where I might try tree fucking, you know? (laughs) No, you know? (laughs) It would hurt my, you know, my dick might get hurt. You'd have to put like, you know, uh, one of those flashlights into the tree or something. Oh my God. I guarantee you that there is a porn hub like category flashlight tree. (laughs) You know what there is. I'm not into that, but I'm not putting down anyone that's into that. That's their karma. (laughs) No, I mean, you're right. You said it. These trees are sexy. They give me a woody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. I, you got to know. I got to I got to jump in there, you know, because it's interesting. I wanted to before we go, I wanted to add this as far as grounding goes. One of my main experiences of grounding was what my book's about spiritual bipolar back in 2002. You know, I went through a period of an amazing Kundalini Shakti awakening, bliss and ecstasy every second, every just total happiness but it had an element of mania to it there was a little bit hyperness about it and it also had the element of i went into the doorway i was with god in the bliss but i took my ego with me you know and i was forgetting my zip code Mm. and i was thinking i was the messiah and i wasn't interested in anything at all that had to do with practicality my name i was calling myself the ganja prince you know my book is all about this it's really funny really amazing but, you know, when I went through all that, I got a voice in the middle of the mental hospital. It was like a month and a half. And uh, the voice told me, play the game. Mm. And I started playing the game of society. And I got out of there pretty quick. And it was an important lesson for my grounding. Is society has a kind of game. You know, it's a game. that It's like a competition. It's capitalism. It's like you have to have a sort of status. You have to have a sort of personal ego power. You have to have a sort of like play by the rules to a certain extent you know what i mean yeah 
Yeah, I mean, Andrea and I were just talking about this this morning. I we were talking about death. The topic of death came up, and how like a lot of people look at it as tragedy, and like, oh, we have sad news. So and so passed away. And I was like, yeah, but the idea of soul contracts cancels all that out because it doesn't matter if it, it was a baby that died, a child that died, like it, everybody signed up. Like your consciousness chose to come here in this particular incarnation at this particular time for a reason to fulfill certain things. And like everyone's benefited by it. Like it all works out. It's, it, oh, it works man. out. You'd be and, interested in my idea about this. Soul contracts, in my perspective, I soul contracts or when you reach a certain stage of consciousness and you're able to do a soul contract. But I think there's other levels of consciousness where a, a being just gets reborn because they're desiring something. So, you know, they're desiring to be a deer and all of a sudden, boom, they're a deer. It's like, I don't think it's always a soul contract. Some people yeah, yeah, yeah. are really caught in the samsara cycles, you know? Yes. So for those of you out there that resonate with feeling like you're here for a reason and a purpose, that's a good point, Eric. For those of you that feel like you're here for a reason and a purpose, even if you don't understand what it is just yet, um, being grounded and recognizing that you chose to be here and that you are not a victim of circumstance or life situation, that all of these little tragedies and losses that you've experienced throughout time have been little alarm clocks pre-arranged by you prior to your incarnation to you know go off and sort of be the catalysts on your that is absolutely true and it's funny you mentioned that because i remember making my soul contract vividly i was in the astral plane i was in my astral spirit body and i was floating above my mother's pregnant body and you know of course there was another soul already in that fetus that it was only about two months or one month, whatever it was, she had the little baby bump. I'm not sure when that comes, but um, there was already a soul going through that incarnation. And, you know, I did what is called a walkout or they did the walkout, that soul. I mm. communicated with that soul at that moment from the astral plane. And we negotiated that that soul was going to do a walkout, leave that incarnation. And I was going to start from that point in the fetus through that incarnation. And I remember at that point, the future was all changed. Like we, everything becomes prearranged and like it's a whole package in yeah. the conscious soul choice. Like it, everything that happens in my life, I chose exactly how it's happening. Yeah. You know, but so I for, don't say that for every soul, you know, other souls, you know, like a soul say in Africa starving. Now, potentially that could be a soul contract, but also on a different level, that soul just got sucked up into that incarnation because of karma, because of things they had to work out based on other lives and future lives. And they sort of just cut up in samsara. The Buddhists call it samsara. And, you know, it's like this endless cycle of birth and death. And beings just get sucked up into that. They could end anywhere. They could end as a worm on a hook or a king in ancient times, you know. And they didn't choose it at all. They're just, like, kind of going with the flow of it. But on one level, we make that choice, and I think that's what we're tuning into, us specifically as souls. We made that soul contract. Yeah, and for your listeners out there that also feel like they are here on a contract, on purpose, I think the key to um, really enjoying the the experience i've been looking at it as like a game like we're just the avatars you know and our consciousness 
controls these avatars in the gaming experience of Earth. Of yeah, life, and I got to stop know? you right there because we're reaching the end of the show under the blanket. This has been your host, Baba Here Love, um, and I was here with brand new Brandon, the guest host. And you know, let's remember that there is a song about playing the game. I can't remember. It's easy. You just got to play the game. All you need is love, says that line about it being a game. Anyway, end us with a final thought, Brandon. You have less than a minute. Sure thing. Less than a minute. Well, uh, I think the key to really enjoying your gaming experience here on Life and Earth is to just buy into your character completely. Like, none of it happened on accident. You, You signed up for all of it. You're not a victim. Take power. If you're not happy with your choices, you're free in the now to make different choices that are more in alignment with who you see yourself to be in your mind's eye. Uh, check me out, patreon.com slash brandnewjersey. That's patreon.com slash B-R-A-N-N-U-J-E-R-Z-Y. And be on the lookout for the snooze button wake up show wherever podcasts are streamed, new episodes every Thursday. All right. And check out Baba Here, love on facebook just search bobby here love i come right up anyway love y'all thanks for listening